Welcome to Conversations with Coley, where we have conversations about subjects we think about but often don't speak about. My name is Nicole Miller, and I'm the author of this book series, A Through Z, Guide to Raising a Good Human, a series I wrote to help in the communication process. Welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Coley. Today I'm speaking with guest Daniela Viola, whose story is very similar to my own. She is going to share her struggles and how she came to the healing path she is on today. Welcome, Daniela. Uh, thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So I start with an icebreaker question. So this one's yours. All right. If you were born in a past era before the modern times of today, what would you miss the most? Mm, I guess the convenience very, you know, we live a very convenient kind of life. So I guess overall the convenience is what I would miss how easy and instantaneous everything is. Yeah. Yeah. No more, uh, groceries to your doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No more clicking, clicking. It's done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your background. Ah, uh, yeah. So, um, my background, I was born in New York, on Long Island, New York, uh, you know, middle class family, uh, middle of Long Island. Um, my background growing up, you know, I had two brothers. I had a pretty typical childhood, you know, in a typical dysfunctional family, you know, most mm -hmm. families uh, are dysfunctional. Um, I went to school. I got three college degrees. Um, you know, I went out into the workforce. Uh, was an actress for a time, 9-11 uh, hit, and um, also a singer. 9-11 hit and the whole entertainment industry fell apart, went back to school, got a, you know, got some more degrees, worked off of Wall Street, uh, oh, wow. got married, you know, had a child, you know, and so much stuff in between, right? I've had a very, very varied background, but as an umbrella to that background, I always had my spiritual connection. So like when I first came into the world, the veil didn't drop for me. Like I was bridging both worlds. So I would just have out of body experiences and OB, OBEs, like uh, astral travel at will that shut down when I was around seven, my mother, you know, terrorized me <laughs> to shut that down. Um, and then I just kind of lost connection with that. And, you know, my life went into a whole nother realm and then came full circle back again. So I have a very varied background. Oh, okay. Did you have um, like a child, like a traumatic childhood at all? Yeah, my, my, <laughs> my whole t childhood, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I had fun and I had great memories right. and, you know, uh, my parents loved me to the best of their ability, uh, but my father was gone and my mother was very abusive. So my mother mm. was dealing with all sorts of uh, I only came later on to realize that she was a narcissist, you know, I just really in the past few years, I realized. Right. That. Um, and I had abandonment issues. My father wasn't around. He was more the kind hearted person. My mother was dealing with a lot of uh, post-traumatic syndrome and various mental and emotional uh dysfunction and disturbances. And uh, she, she took it out on us. Like we weren't allowed mm. to be children. We right. were expected to be adults. And when you weren't, it was corporal punishment, mental and emotional abuse. So right. it, it speckled my entire youth. And maybe is that why you tapped into that out of body type thing to kind of as, as an escape? No, actually, that that was just my being. I came mm. in born like that. So okay. um, my mom said that, you know, I was the most easiest and 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 peaceful and joyful baby she ever she ever knew. Uh, yeah, I would just you know, she said she could leave me in my my baby swing all day long. And because I would just entertain myself. Just mm. oh, no problem. Cry for my mom. She wouldn't be there. No problem. Pop myself out of the body, float around on the ceiling, find her in the house, you know, the that ended when I was about seven years old because I was sleepwalking at night often and mm. I would find her and I would cry at her. Oh. So I would just find her in the house, foot of the bed at the end of the couch and I would just stare into her like with this ghostly uh, stare and just sob and mm. sob at her. And uh, one, one morning when I woke up, she just grabbed me and she said, no more, this is over, it's done, never again. You never did oh, do wow. this again. I mean, pierced right through my soul and I just shut it all down. I still had many adventures but never consciously, it was always in my dreamscape mm. that I would have those. Um, so I really didn't have an escape 
mechanism. You know, I was very, very present for what was, mm, what was going just, on, just became desensitized and used to the abuse, you know, in that sense, just thinking that this is just the way it is. Right. Just kind right. of assume. So, so when you got to be 18 or however old you were when you decided to leave home for me I was 16 when I left did you go then to another relationship or did you live at all on your own yeah so what I did was um the last real bout of like physical abuse and I would say I mean my mother always mentally and emotionally it was always traumatic dealing dealing with her one level or another but was when I was 17 Mm-hmm. So she found out I was jumping out of my window to see my boyfriend <laughs> and found out I was, you know, I was having sex with him and she like really unleashed that on me. And then it mm. was, it was actually about a year later, a uh, year, maybe even a year, two years later. So maybe I was around 18, 19, where she went to hit me. Uh, and I just looked at her and I said, go ahead, I'll, I'll hit you right back. Mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. was it. That was the last time she ever, she knew at that point, she couldn't do that to me anymore. Um, right. So I still remained in the house because I had, I had ambitions for myself. And I knew if I left um, that it would mean I would never get anywhere. And I really wanted mm-hmm. to travel. And, and I did, I lived over in Europe for a time and I toured with groups and I had wonderful adventures, but I stayed home until I was about 24 years old. And yes, I went into uh, a relationship uh, with somebody and that person at some point tried to, you know, uh, physically intimidate me. And I, I shut that down right away. Like I would not allow somebody to physically harm me. But what I didn't realize that I was doing was I was recreating the mental and the emotional abuse. Mm. In, in all of my relationships. See, I thought, oh, I'm, I got over that, right? I'm not right. anybody talk to me. But meanwhile, I had no emotional boundaries. I had no mental, emotional boundaries. So I was just getting beaten up proverbially on those levels through an ongoing string of relationships. Yeah. And I'm sure being treated that way as a young child, that's what set the tone. And yeah. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but there was no clear red flags for me when finding a partner. Do you know what I mean? Until later, then I was handed yeah. a paper and I was like, oh, <laughs> right. 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 Oh, right. Check that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where was this? Because I could have that could have saved me a lot. <laughs> so how did yes. you how did you cope? So for me, when I was growing up in such an abuse, situation. I was 13. I started taking like Xanax and doing drugs. What did you do to cope with the the childhood trauma that, you know, your mom instilled on you? Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful question to ask. Um, me, I, I just, I worked really hard. I worked a lot. You know, by the time I was a senior in high school, I was working three jobs. I wanted to get out of there, Mm -hmm. you know, but I wanted to do it right. I did not want to do it because I was running away because when I was, when that episode happened where my mom found me jumping out the window and and beat the pulp out of me, it was very, very, very traumatic. And, uh, the school, one of my friends brought me, I mean, I was so out of it. She, she, in the school, she brought me down. My girlfriend brought me down to the nurse and unbeknownst to me, she went to the nurse and said, I want it documented that all those marks and everything on her body is from her mother. Oh, wow. I I didn't know that she did that. And uh, they called me down to the principal's office with my girlfriend and they offered me an out. They said, you never have to go back to that house. You can move in with her. And right away I said, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that because I know that if I run, I'm going to be running the rest of my life. Like I have to like work through this, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was terrified. I was terrified because my mother was coming up and everything. But um, what wound up happening was um, I just wound up staying and working through that situation. I did not allow it to have me run out. I worked through it by working on what I was taught by my father was if you want to be anything or do anything, you got to be educated. And Mm -hmm. so I put all of my effort and time and attention into getting educated, but in order to get educated, I needed money. Yeah. I was in that middle bracket where the government was telling me my parents are claiming me, so they should be paying them. My parents saying we don't have enough money. The government should be paying. So I had to pay. So by the time I was a senior in high school, I was working three jobs. Wow. I worked so much 
you know, um, and then I would self-medicate, I guess, in a sense by, you know, work hard, play hard. Mm. So then I would, I would go out, you know, uh, I loved to go dancing, you know, I loved to sing, you know, I loved to perform. So I put a lot of energy into those things. Um, but really the, the crux of it was work, work mm. hard, educate yourself and just push through it. I mean, I always had that drive, just push through, just push through, just push through. So that's, that's really how I coped with it. You know, oh, that's age. good. That's good. Did you ever struggle with any kind of substance in your life? Oh, yes, yes. So I wound up a string of relationships with those that were much more into that kind of scene than I was, you know, I, I would be able to dabble in it, but it didn't dominate my life. You know, I would mm -hmm. just do it recreationally, you know, I go to a club or something like that. But then I took on a series of relationships where it was like a lifestyle. You know, mm. these, these guys had it as a lifestyle. And I still, you know, managed to like teeter on the edge of that where I wasn't really like addicted, where I had any kind of uh, rebound effect or anything like that. But eventually what happened was, uh, I got addicted to Adderall. Mm. So I had gotten myself into such a bad place. I was so lost and so out of alignment with, with who I was and what I really wanted and what I really felt. I was so disconnected and I was dealing with like not being able to remember things. Like I couldn't remember where I left my keys. Uh, it was hard for me to get out of bed, but now I'm like a single mom and I got like a young three-year-old and I'm, I'm working from home and I'm working for, for in corporate attached to a company that was, uh, uh, one of the biggest media companies, uh, and, uh, based in lower Manhattan. And it just, it, it got so bad. I went to a psychiatrist. I said, this is my issue. Like, I just can't get my energy up. I can't, you know, and I'm leaving the stove on and, you know, keys in the front door, like, you know, phone on top of my car and then driving <laughs> off and finding it on the road. I mean, it was so bad. Yeah. So he put me on Adderall and then I just started abusing Adderall. You know, and then I was mixing Adderall with other, with other drugs like MDMA or ecstasy. I was, I was, you know, but all the while pushing ahead, just like I always yeah. did, you know, just keep pushing, keep pushing. And then I would have like little escapism reliefs, you know, little, um, and it just got so bad where, uh, you know, I just lost it. I lost all, all grip on everything. Everything just started falling apart around me, you know, I just couldn't mm -hmm. cope anymore. So I struggled with, with, a. Uh, substance abuse and things of that nature for well over 20 years. And Adderall is scary because I watched a doc with my daughter and the opening of the doc was, if you could take a drug that would give you straight A's, would you take it? And I asked my daughter that question and she said, yes, because her goal is to get good grades and you get it prescribed to you from your mm -hmm. doctor. And then you start mm -hmm. to see that it helps you to complete all this stuff and you're like on top of it. So it doesn't feel yeah. like a drug addiction, right? Yeah, it doesn't. But then what happens is you get, you get into that obsessive place of getting things done. And then for, this was my, at least my experience with that. I can't talk to anybody else's, but I would get into that obsessive place of like, yep, check, done, 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 done. And then all of a sudden it'd be two in the morning and I've had to go to sleep. I got to get up at work at, you know, seven 30 and then mm -hmm. I'm tired. So mm -hmm. then I take it because I'm tired. And then before you know it, I'm like, yo, I'm stretching the day out and then I'm, I'm missing sleep. I'm totally out of whack. You can't get it. I couldn't get myself into a natural cycle. So I found myself abusing it, taking more than I should because I got to stay awake because mm -hmm. I got to get this done, but I didn't get enough rest. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember one year Christmas, like, I mean, I, I think I got maybe a half hour rest before Christmas morning because I was up all night, wrapping all the presents, getting everything done, making sure the cookies, I mean, it was, you know, out of control. You know, yeah. Out of control. So what kind of made you realize like, Hey, I've got a problem. Yeah. So I knew I had a problem. I just didn't know how to stop it. It was like mm -hmm. an out of, out of control train, you know, it just kept rain, you know, bu buzzing along. And, and I, I was beside myself. I really just did not know how to deal with it. Uh, and again, that same energy just pushed through, pushed through, pushed through, but it was getting worse and worse and worse. And so finally, <clears throat> where my breaking point was with it was uh, my son at that time. Uh, now he's about like six years old and he's got all sorts of issues, you know, behavioral, emotional. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody had been telling me from when he was an infant, oh, he needs to be on medication. Oh, you need to do this. And I was always like, no, he doesn't need any of that. Like, right. you know, 
I didn't want to put him on anything like that. But it got so bad that it was like really interfering with his abilities in school. And it wasn't even like he I mean he was like one of the top kids in his class, but the emotional aspect of it was just so disturbing and so distraught for him. And it was so painful. So I took him to my psychiatrist just to have him evaluated to see. And at this time now he was going to a psychotherapist for years. You know, he had been getting uh, you know, uh, various support through either the school system or privately with doctors and things like that since he was three. And what happened was that the psychiatrist came back with a uh, suggestion to put him either on Ritalin or Adderall. And the second he said that, like it just flashed within me, this knowing that so long as I'm taking this, he's going to end up taking it. Yeah. And then I knew in that moment that I had to stop because if I didn't stop, he's going to, he's going to carry on what, what I'm dealing with on one level, another energetically with, with this. And uh, that there's no way that I could be hypocritical and me take it, but him not. Right. I just knew it. I knew it. And that was the big impetus. That was the huge red flag that I could not ignore. Cause now the picture, the, the issue of it was much bigger than myself. It was my child and it was something that I would be faced with moving forward, you know, into the future. And I knew I didn't want to carry that. Yeah. And, but again, I didn't know how. Right. I just knew I didn't want to, you know, I just knew I didn't want it to keep going. So, yeah. So what did you end up doing? So in my desperation and not so much in my desperation, but in my deep seated knowing that there had to be a way. I started going back to my original, you know, going back to myself as a child. And I forget where I heard it. I heard it somewhere and it really stuck with me. I needed to start nurturing myself and I needed to start doing stuff for me that I knew felt really good for me. You know, because mm-hmm. at this time I'm, you know, single parent, taking care of my son, taking care of the house, you know, everything else but me. And I always loved crystals from when I was very, very young. So I started just collecting crystals and just having crystals around me and diving into that like as a hobby. And Mm -hmm. so one night I was out on my uh, deck, I had the big 40 foot deck and I had a big six foot glass table and I just started placing all my crystals around on this table. And I used to use the excuse to be out there so I could smoke cigarettes because I would smoke (laughs) incessantly. And, um, and I just, I just intuitively, I put together a crystal grid. I didn't even know what a grid was, you know, and I just looked up at the stars and I said, you know, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready for the next step. I'm ready for, for my next place. I'm ready to ascend. I'm, I'm ready to, to be done with this. I'm just, I'm ready. Like, just take it. <laughs> you know what I, mean? Yeah. Like, just, I mean, literally, you know, I was doing it so heartfully and so soulfully. And so like in that moment. And that was answered big time, big time. My, my guides came in very strongly. Um, I can't even say my guides. It really was a few weeks later, I was coming out of a bagel store with, with a little brown paper bag of bagels. And I had uh, this woman on YouTube talking on um, a video about crystals. And I just Mm -hmm. had it like on speakerphone, my phone in my bag, and I was walking out. And as I walked out, the voice stopped speaking and this other voice came on as if it had already been talking and it was a completely different voice. And it said these words, it's okay. Do nothing. Put your feet up. We give you permission. And when I heard those words, it was like my consciousness opened up expanded hugely and like this whole download of universal consciousness came into my body like in a millisecond it was like and I just was in shock I had no clue idea what happened I'm literally like falling out of this bagel store now (laughs) and I'm in a total daze and shock like it it happened in a millisecond and it was very visceral you know it was just like my whole world just twisted into this 180 and, and I was in a whole new space and I didn't know what it was or even what had happened. It just, it's like, it's, it's like, as if you were live, you know, you live your life in a container, you know, mm-hmm. that's maybe 10 ounces. Right. And then all of a sudden that container opens up to a gallon and oh, you're wow. like in the middle of the gallon, <laughs> like where, how do I fit? You know, like yeah. where do I land? You know, that's, that's literally like the best way I can say it. And so in a haze, I 
you know, went to the car, I flat myself in the car and I just sat there in shock. Yeah. And then I finally came to consciously and I realized, what am I doing? <laughs> where we was I going? Yeah, where yeah. the car? And um, and I pulled out when I when I pulled up to the there was a you know it's a parking lot there's a red light and I'm sitting there at the red light and I'm just staring into this red light and then all of a sudden I just realized in that moment like this huge smile came over my face and and I just knew I had I was waiting for that moment my entire life. Wow. Everything I had gone through, everything I had experienced was for this moment right here. This this was the moment I was waiting for on a soul level. I was waiting to get to that moment because that's where my mission began. Oh. That's where the and what it what it's called is it's called a reincarnation in the same body experience. So that's where you you leave your body, you hit a certain level of your of your, you know, um development right in this lifetime and at that point i had a choice i could either vacate the body and leave right pass on to the other side or i could come in with new upgraded contracts of my work here and that's what i chose so i chose to stay so when the second i left my body i came right back in with an expanded contract and more of my my oversoul monadic group and that's why that container was so huge. I was like, mm -hmm. and that, that really started. That's what started it. I, right from there, I knew, and I still was, you know, smoking and Adderall, but I, I knew in that moment, this is very short lived. This is going to end. And I just surrendered. I just completely surrendered to all of it. Cause now mm -hmm. I had this deep, pers deep personal knowing of my mission. And, and that's like my big advice to anybody, you know, who's struggling with anything is get a sense of what your purpose is. We all yeah. have that inside of us, right? Yeah. We're all what's, here what's for your, a purpose. Exactly. What's, what's your piece of the puzzle? And, it, and, it, and it's always tied into your traumas. Yeah. It's always tied to your greatest lessons. Yeah. 100%. So did, were you able to wean yourself off of smoking and Adderall without help? outside help of like AA and things like that, or NA, I should say. Yeah. Like within a week or two. Oh, wow. Never went back. And then I went on a mission to clean house, clean my whole body out. I went all natural, like organic, raw. I started learning how to grow my own food, working on a farm. You know, I mean, I went, I went, you know, again, that, that push that drive full throttle, you know, like, right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Clean house. You know, I, I even got rid of my IUD, you know, anything in my, my, my dental work, I cleared everything out. Uh, even went uh, vegetarian, you know, and vegan, I'm more vegetarian, you know, but, um, but yeah, so it was only was within a couple of weeks it was done. I was absolutely, and then I pulled my son out of school. I pulled him out of the school system and I took him on as homeschooling. He was, I pulled him out in second grade and, uh, and him and I really started like a new together. Wow. And so how did that work with his issues that he was having where they wanted him on medications? Yeah. So I never, I never even entertained that for a moment. I just knew that right. I couldn't. Uh, and I knew what he really needed was just the unconditional love, patience, and guidance that really only I could, you know, his parents could give him, right. i.e. really, you know, that I could give him. And so that's what I did. I dedicated. And, and he's fine, right? He's amazing. Oh, my God. I love he's, it. He's, yeah. He's 13 yeah. now. So, uh, yeah. But, and we talk about it often. It's the very best thing that we ever could have done, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think that with all the noise of the world and parents being so busy trying to hit those employment marks and then putting food on the table and getting all these things done that we are kind of not taking that time that our children need. And then they're reacting in a way that is negative. It doesn't sit well with the teachers and they may say, Oh, well, if you just medicate them, do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. See, ch children are, are the most beautiful reflection of us as the parents. Mm -hmm. You know, when you approach your child from that perspective, because they are their own individualized being, but they come through our vessel mm -hmm. and they come into the environment that we pretty much are, you know, creating, you know, they are a reflection. And all parents know this, they'll see their kid and they'll be like, oh, and they totally see themselves in that. You know what I mean? They <laughs> yeah. know, you know, and it may be things that they don't like. And some parents will react and resisting and pushing that away or reprimanding them 
not not being conscious or aware of that higher knowing that it's coming from within you. Yeah. They're an extension at that young age. They are little sponges and extensions of us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you approach a child, and that's one thing I always tried to do it with Tyler, you know, my son was I tried to approach him from a place of that, that he's the reflection of me. And if there's any distortion within him, I got to look at myself and see where I am supporting that distortion in whatever way, shape or form and work to bring myself more into alignment while being patient and holding the space for his growth. Right. Right. I yeah. love that. I love that. So how does one go about taking ownership over their past experiences? Because sometimes I think people get hung up on it and it takes them on that downward spiral. So what advice do you have for someone that is on that kind of a journey and they need to kind of take ownership of that past? How does one start that? Yeah. And I, I commend, I thank you so much for that qu question. And I commend anybody who is even attempting to embody or really get into a knowing of what that really means. Cause it takes courage because mm -hmm. in our society, we've been so trained that, you know, it, it's, it's cause and effect from something outside of us, right? And, you know, there's blame or victimhood. And if only they didn't do that, then I'll be okay. That kind of thing. And I can talk from my own personal journey, as well as the journeys of, you know, uh, the clients that I've worked with and the students that I've been blessed to to guide is it comes it starts with first and foremost knowing that you can only control that is within you right mm -hmm. you can't control anything outside of you so just understanding that when difficult things or traumas and things that happened to us when we were younger first and foremost to have loving forgiveness as much as you can in compassion because in that space of compassion let's start with compassion. You're able to move back a little bit and you're able to see things from a higher perspective on a spiritual level is we all come in with contracts, right? Mm -hmm. We're all here to learn things and we're all here to teach things, which are typically one in the same, right? It's a double-edged sword. What you're here to learn is what you're here also to teach. So we come in with these contracts to learn certain things. So for example, I came in one of my largest contracts, we have multiple of these and contracts are just really agreements on a soul level. You're agreeing, you're coming in. This is what your purpose is, right? This is what, you know, the challenges you're going to, you're going to overcome energetically. Mm -hmm. And this is what, you know, potentially you can do with it, which is like destiny, free will, that kind of a thing. But what winds up happening is on a soul level is like, for example, I came in with empowerment. Let me say this. I came in with the contract to know and experience for me, because it serves my soul's growth and expansion, to truly know and understand what true empowerment is, to truly come into your power. Mm -hmm. So think about that. If that's my mission, not my mission, but part of my, my soul's growth and expansion, you know, I'm not going to be born into a situation where I'm going to be empowered. Right. Right? Because you're not going to learn it then. You're only mm -hmm. going to learn it if you're coming from the other end of the spectrum of disempowerment to learn what the empowerment process, like what that means for you. You only can, through that duality is the only way you're going to be able to understand it. So of course I'm born into a situation yeah. in an environment where I'm completely disempowered. Yeah. So if you can see it, like, for example, what I'm talking about here, if you can see it from that end, then you can say, okay then you are able to have a little bit more compassion for the situation. And then you can embrace the situation so you can work with the situation. Where we have a tendency to get stuck is where we resist. That yeah. shouldn't have happened to me. Yeah. Why did that happen to me? I don't like it that that happened to me. I want to forget that that happened to me. You know, that hurt me. That person hurt me and I can't get over that. Well, then what happens is you don't have it then to work with because you pushed it away from you. Yeah. Like if, if, if you want to write, you have to take the pen. Yeah. And write. You can't push the pen away, put it down and expect and to be expect able to do it anything happen. with it. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, so that, you know, is a big thing to, to, at a core level is to understand you came in, this is where the ownership comes in. You came in with specific templates, contracts, through which you're going to have certain experiences. So own those experiences, 
own that in one way or another and see it from that level because then you can work with it and you can work through it and create your superpower because truly it is through our traumas and it's through the most difficult things we have to deal with in our life are our greatest opportunities for expansion. But you first have to embrace it in a sense, take ownership of it, and then you can work with it, work through it and transmute it into the power that it truly is. So for me, like I am truly in a place of empowerment. I have worked with my traumas. I have constructively done, you know, so much in terms of myself and those involved, you know, energetically uh, through heightened consciousness and the various practices and things that I teach. And, you know, um, but through that I've transmuted into empowerment. So yeah. now like there's no fear there. And it's not that you ever forget, you don't forget, but you're no right. longer triggered by it. You're able yeah. to think about it and be there and see it for the truth of what it is, not the illusion of it, right? Which is the illusion of it is, is the fear. That's where the fear sits, right? Because we're afraid of feeling that. We're afraid that it's going to hurt us again. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that what really hurts us is the fear. It's yeah. not the thing itself. That is so true. That is so true. Um, that, that answer completely clicks for me why some people can't get past and they can't get out of like their addictive um, patterns because they're still in that place of suffering. They didn't realize that you had to go through it, get through it to become who you were supposed to be, right? Yes. Yeah. And there's, there's many levels and layers, you know, in there, there's so much that we could talk about in terms of how to actually get to that place of acceptance. Right. Yeah. Um, but first and foremost is to know you're not alone. Mm -hmm. We're all going through it. There's nobody on this planet that's skippity doo dah. No, <laughs> you know, nobody, you know, people, yeah, you, you might have a, what seemingly from, you know, and you can't even judge it because you're not within that person to fully assume the operation of their internal state of being, right? Yeah. You can only do that for yourself. Yeah. You Cause there's too much of people. the, well, my story is worse than your story yeah. and all that. And I think people there's focus no. on that way too much and then they lose themselves. I heard a monk on a podcast who said, listen, if you think that this earth experience is going to be problem free. Yeah, right. No, not at all. This is this is like the greatest school in the universe because mm -hmm. it's just so, uh, you know, dynamic and diverse. And, you know, in comparison, you know, to this universe, I'll get a little esoteric here is we as human beings are so beautifully unique in that out of all the species that is in the multiverse, we're the only ones who the veil drops when we come into an incarnation. All the others, when they go into an incarnation, their connection consciously to source is intact. We're the only ones where it's not. And the reason why is because we're playing out a separation from source paradigm, which is you gotta be so brave and so courageous to come into a human form on this planet, right? Because it's like no bars held here. You know what I mean? You've got those people who are completely enlightened to those people who are just, you know, wallowing in the depths of the darkness and everything in between all in one space, yeah. trying to get along, right? Trying right. in that, that disconnection of frequency to, to come together. And you're playing this out not knowing that you are the infinite, you are the embodiment of the infinite creator. You are a individualized consciousness stream having its own experience of source. Mm -hmm. Source is having its experience through you, but we don't, we don't realize that. And so there's so much power that we hold in that and the gift and the ability to say, all right, well, what would happen if we had a species that didn't know it was source itself, right? Like, what, what would they do? Oh, let's see what that looks like, mm -hmm. you know? And, and that's one thing I try to, uh, to share as much as I can to those that are ready, willing, and able to receive that message is that you are source. You are the infinite creator having an experience. And it's a beautiful experience through your individualized, you know, soul consciousness stream that's had infinite lives, you know, no, you know, nobody can uh, express what you can express, right? We're all so beautifully unique, as unique as our, our fingerprints. Yeah. Right. Nobody's got the same, the almost 8 billion people on the planet. No one's got the same fingerprint. That's how unique each of us are, you know, so yeah. beautiful.
Yeah, I agree. When you were younger, did you, were you aware that you may be different than maybe say your parents? Like for me, I would sit five years old and look at my situation and knew this wasn't right. These people are crazy. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Almost like I had this knowing. Did you experience that same thing? Oh, yeah. Well, let me say I experienced it with my mom. Mm -hmm. Like I never, I never could jive with her completely. And I loved her unconditionally. I remember being a very young girl, probably maybe five years old and going into her room and telling her that I loved her, not because she was my mom, but because of who she was, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, but the, by the time I was 13, I was t- saying to my father, I don't want to deal with this woman. You married her. Why do I have to deal with her? Why are <laughs> like, you my I mom? I don't want to deal with this person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like, I remember being in the back of my mother's station wagon, you know, this is the seventies where seatbelts, you know, were non-existent yeah. climbing all over and looking out the back window as we drove down the road and saying, what is this place? Where am I? Yeah. You know, I, I used to play and imagine coming out of the shower that I was walking into a whole different planetary experience, you know, like, and I would see my brother and be like, oh, you know, like I would just like embody this, like, where am I? Who am I? What is this place? You know, from as long back as I could remember. Yeah. Are you, are you connected with nature? Do you find that you can connect with wild animals and nature and things like that? Oh yeah. Big time. And every time I walk out of the house, I'm talking to them, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's the leaves or the bushes or, you know, I mean, anything you should see, I have a, a balcony and it, it's dedicated to all the creatures. I have creatures of all walks of life up there on that, but don't even know how they get there, but they do. Yeah. So <laughs> deep connection. Deep, deep yeah. Connection. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find it hard to shake off the negative people, the things, do they, do they come to you negative people? And do you find that they drain you and that it's hard to shake them off or are you pretty much past that? Well, I I was challenged with that for the mass majority of my life Mm -hmm. and I wasn't even recognizing them for what they were on an energetic level. Right. Um, it, it wasn't until, uh, now I was in my early forties where I became conscious to that. Um, and now I would have to say now where I'm at in my life, I'm blessed that I don't. And, and if they are, or do come around me, there's, it's really easy to skirt them. So for no, people who are in that negative where it's almost like, I almost envision like star Wars in the beginning where all the stars are coming at you. If somebody's mm-hmm. in that, where there's just negative people, negativity coming at them in that capacity, how do they mm-hmm. start to begin to shield themselves from that and get away? Yeah. The beautiful thing is, you know, we're so innately powerful. We have everything right inside of us. So when you're in that situation or you, if you feel that you're currently in that situation, The best thing to do is to realize that all of these people are coming because there's some resonance match within you. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person or they're a bad person. There's no, and actually there is no good, bad, or, you know, uh, but just to understand that they're coming as a messenger for you. They are a reflection of some aspect in you that your higher self wants you to clear house. Mm -hmm. So, so you pushing away or feeling like they shouldn't be there or they're bothering you is actually attracting more of that same kind of energy. So what you give out is what you get. So if your energy is one of resistance or pushback or like I feel like you shouldn't or they shouldn't, then you're attracting more of that same kind of energy to you through other people, places and things of shouldn't, don't want to, right? So if you shift to embracing the fact that they're there and they have a message for you, mm-hmm. that they are reflecting some aspect of something within yourself that's looking to come to the surface, well, now you just empowered yourself. So mm-hmm. now you're utilizing them as a tool of growth. Yeah. You're utilizing the situation, circumstances, all as a tool of growth for you. So you, you know, this person comes in, they're annoying you. Okay. Then you start to ask yourself a question. What is it that they are presenting to me that is giving me an insight into something within myself that I'm not recognizing? 
right? You start going through and, you know, I have like all sorts of, you know, processes for, for this very thing. And then what happens is over time, when you do that, when you're asking yourself that question, you're no longer resisting, then the answers start coming mm-hmm. much faster and much more fluidly. And then you start peeling the layers of those frequencies. And then those people eventually stop coming around or they come around, but they're different. Mm. I mean, I, I, I did this with my own mother, completely transmuted it by inviting her to, to unleash on me right. all the feelings of distortion or negativity or whatever, all of her beliefs and just, just give it to me, give it to me, mom, just bring <laughs> it on, you know, like what else, what else is bothering you? What else is annoying you? What else is upsetting you about me? Like who I am, what I think, what I do, whatever, and completely transmuted it where now it's a beautiful balanced relationship. Wonderful. Right. So when you do that internal work and you shift by asking yourself those deep questions and taking ownership of them even being in your environment, you empower yourself to the point that they show up. The external reality shows up differently for you. Awesome. Yeah. Cause I mean, a lot of people, cause I talk a lot about changing your mindset. I was in my domestic violence height and I realized I was a negative thinker. I may have been smiling and joking and making everything seem like it was great. But in my head, I was actually having those negative thoughts and attracting the negative that was happening to me. And I had to kind of realize like, hey, you need to do something different. And so I changed my mindset. And a lot of people go, yeah, but they think when you click that switch that everything's just going to be roses and peaches. That's not the case. You have to learn how to deal because that's just what this world is. It's made up of a bunch of different energies commingling together, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing that, you know, most people, they, they hear, like they hear what you say, but then they're like, yeah, but how do you do that? Mm-hmm. And, and first and foremost, number one is you got to have a desire. You got to have a deep needed desire. Like in, in my situation, uh, you know, I, I married my mother energetically I had a child with him and it was horrifically traumatic, very painful and difficult. And I got myself into a situation. I didn't know how to get out of it. You know, I I couldn't just leave like financially. I didn't have the means, you know, I had my son, what do I do? And so what I did was, you know, for the longest time, I was focusing my energy outside myself, trying to make it better. Yeah. Trying to make the situation better. And where it really shifts is where you say, you know what, no more of that. I'm now going to give the energy to me. I'm going to be the attention to me. And I'm just going to work on me and I'm not going to give my energy away to trying to fix anything outside myself. That's the starting point. You've got to have that desire. And then you've got to have that level of knowing and dedication within yourself that you are going to catch yourself when you're giving your energy away too much attention and trying to figure out why they are or why this is happening. You know, just surrender all that and just say, no, how is this affecting me? How do I really feel? What is this situation telling me? You know, most of the time, actually all the time, it's telling you what you don't want. But the Mm -hmm. trick is then to transmute that by saying, all right, I now I know what I don't want. So then what do I really want? And then focusing your energy on what you do want and not focusing your energy on what you don't want. That's, that's, that's the first foundational piece to get in place. Yeah. And it takes time. It's not something that just, you can just click the the switch, you know? Yes, absolutely. And you got to give yourself compassion for that. You are unraveling and undoing a lifetime of pattern that is well-treaded, right? You know, you got to get those synapses working in a different path and that takes time, tension, and focus. So can you share how you were able to forgive your mother. So all those traumas that she placed on you, how were you able to come to a point where you just wiped the slate clean with her? Yeah, that, that was a progression. That was not something, you know, it took, took years for me to get to that point. And it was again, through all this internal ownership and all the processes that, that came in that, And it first started off with my approaching her and saying, listen, you know, I just want to have a meeting of the minds. I don't need for you to apologize, but I want us to consciously acknowledge that what had happened happened. Right. Yeah, we did that. We didn't want it to happen. We don't need to get into details. Right. I just need that conscious acknowledgement. What happened happened. 
And we just both wish it didn't happen. And that was very difficult for her. It took her a few weeks to sit on that before she was actually able to even yeah. agree to that. Um, yeah. And then it was, you know, really, and here's the thing is spirit, universal intelligence, whatever it is, is it's always supporting us in our healing journey, just the way the physical body, right. Is always trying to heal itself. Are you going to mm-hmm. cut? It creates a scab, so on and so forth. Same thing energetically when, when you're on that path, like it, it you know, not even what you don't even have to be on the path, but energetically the universe is always trying to heal. It's always trying to bring everything into balance and into alignment. And so what happened with me is as I became more conscious of this need or desire within me to heal it, um, the universe brought situations and circumstances to bring woundings to the surface. So this, mm-hmm. this is a very important point to, for, for people to understand is that when you're on that journey consciously, like, you know, I, I do channeled healings. And so like, you know, someone will sit with me and we'll have a session and I'll do a channeled healing. And they'll be like, oh my God, I never knew that I had, you know, I had a, a you know, a deep loathing for, you know, or whatever it may be. I never knew I had this and we channel and we do this whole healing and clearing. And so this clearing comes in. But then like within a few days, like some situation seemingly that's horrible happens to them. And they're like, wait a second, we just healed that. How come this is coming and presenting itself to me? Like, why is this difficult thing? And what people need to understand, what we need to understand and embrace is that there are certain like beliefs and patterns and things that we hold in ourselves. And when we clear them, the deep rooted under dark belly now is able to rise and come to the surface. So Mm -hmm. even though you cleared that layer, there's something underneath there now that now that comes to the, to the surface, kind of the way the way the skin, you know, you slough off the top layer of the skin, what what's underneath it, the bottom layer of the skin. Right. And so what will happen is we'll do this beautiful clearing and the person will be like, Oh my God, I feel amazing. I feel so free. I feel so light. And then like within a week's time, something else comes that is on a deeper level mm-hmm. that presents to them because now it's able to rise. And now you're on a roll with healing. Like the higher self's like, all right, let's bring this because now if you see this, now you can clear that too. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like a so, weed. You got to get to the root. Yep. Yep. And that's the thing is that, you know, healing is a journey. It's like, you got to peel the layer to get to the layer underneath and then you peel the next layer. And it's beautifully designed that way so that we're not overwhelmed. Right. right. Because you can't, you can't do it all at once. It would just be too much of a shock. It would be too overwhelming. So the higher self, you know, orchestrates that perfectly. And so when I do like my channel healings, I'm channeling the person's higher self who's telling me exactly what it is, that next layer that's ready to be released, you know? So having, having compassion and forgiveness for yourself as you go through this and the understanding and the patience, mm-hmm. oh my God, the patience, right? Cause we want it all to be cleared right away. Well, yeah, we're in a, we're in a world where we want it now. Push the button. Let's get it done. (laughs) Did I answer that question? You did. Yes, you did. You did. So you were in a domestic violence situation. It wasn't all that great. So how do you explain to somebody who's in it right now? And they just feel that hopelessness. Where do they start to get on that path where that they can then free themselves from that and then work on themselves. Yes. So here's the thing. And, and many people like, they're like, Oh, if I could just be free of that, then I'll be able to work on myself. And um, I don't want to say, unfortunately, because it is what it is. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Exactly. You can break away. You get the opportunity, the window to break away when you're working on yourself. You have to create that. You are the master creator of your reality. Yeah, we're in a co-creation you know, situation where nobody's an island, but it ultimately comes from within you. And that's where that ownership piece comes in. You know, So you just start focusing in on you. Like for me, I could talk to my path, nourishing myself. Instead of giving all the energy away to you know, the fear, the worry, the trauma, the what ifs, when ifs, you know, if I do this, they're going to do that. If I say this, then this is going to happen. You know, what is it going to be like tomorrow? Maybe bring in, start practicing, bringing the energy into you. And what, what helps me, what will nourish me? What helps me to feel good? What helps me to bring some joy, some enjoyment, some Mm -hmm. love or gratitude? How can I give that to myself? 
one of the one of the reasons why we get ourselves into these situations that are you know codependent situations is because we feel that the solutions and our needs can be satisfied from outside of us. Mm-hmm. So starting to practice giving yourself what you need. If you need love, give yourself some love. Maybe that means a bath or a walk in nature or, you know, a five minute not thinking about anything and just being in stillness or just eating a good salad or whatever that may mean for you. Breathing right. Exactly. You know, yeah, simple things that are free that you could do at any given time, you know, um, thinking about something you really love and, and embracing that within yourself, you know. Um, doing these things for yourself. If, if you want attention, give yourself attention, right? If you want to be nourished or heard, then listen to yourself, you know, tune into you, you know, you can give it all to yourself, start to channel, funnel the energy into you, get to know you and build a relationship with you. That's the first foremost starting point. Mm-hmm. Start bringing that energy into you. And when you start bringing the energy into you, then you are expanding and you start to unleash and unlock aspects of you that you're, you know, quite frankly, not tapping into because you're too busy trying to scramble in your external reality to stabilize it. The stability comes from inside you. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have it, start, like you said, start breathing into you, breathing into your core, breathing into your root, breathing into the into the earth, going outside, sitting on the earth, whatever it is, you could bring yourself into your grounding, into your sense of stability. You can give it to yourself. It's not like you said, it's not going to be an instantaneous thing, but you have to start somewhere and you have to start building within yourself first. Everything comes from within you. Mm-hmm. And right? now because of today's society, we have been conditioned to feel that if we take care of us, we're selfish. What do you say to that? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we live in an inverted reality. It's an inorganic reality. Everything is like reversed. You know, if you want to be rich, you got to get into debt or you got to like, you know, lie, cheat, or steal, right? Like, <laughs> um, you know, if we want peace then we got to go to war, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a big, big challenge. So you got to see it from that place, you Mm -hmm. know, that this is an inverted reality, you know, and so start looking at the other side, you know, Mm -hmm. of that, like, and here's the big thing. And this is like Bruce Lipton's work, you know, the biology of belief, what you believe sets energetics and frequencies in motion. And we live in a universe of frequency matching. So if you focusing your energy again on what you don't want or on things that don't feel good to you, you're going to keep bringing to you and attracting to you those very types of energies that are gonna induce you to feel those same things. So that's where the mindset switch happens. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I say all the time, forget about what you don't want. Focus on what you do want. Focus on what you're creating. But first, you got to know what you want to create. Right. And that only happens by tuning into you. Tune into you. What do you want? What? How do you want this day to go today when you wake up in the morning? How do you want this meeting to go? You know, when that person comes home from work, how do you want that experience to be? And start focusing on that. Because like, say, for example, in my relationship, which was very traumatic and very painful for like a good 10 years, solid 10 years, I used to focus on, oh my God, when he comes home, what that's going to be like. And I would cringe Mm -hmm. and I would send these energy waves out of like cringing and worry, concern. And of course, how would he show up? That's what would show up. He would show up and I would be induced to feel those same things. So when I started just bringing the energy into me, And what do I want? And what do I want to create? And how do I want to feel? And it wasn't like a light switch, but that those patterns and those energetics, eventually they just got better and better and better and better to the point that I divorced, we divorced together. We didn't even use any lawyers. We went down to the courthouse together. It took took us almost two years, right? No lawyers, right? The courts don't want to make it easy for you, right? Right. (laughs) Well, they need that money too. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we, we did it together, you know, no, no problems, no issues, did it without any lawyers. So when you shifted your energy, his energy started to shift as well. Like I said, when you shift from the inside, the external reality matches that. 
Wow. So all that distortion just fell, you know, it, and again, it didn't, it didn't happen overnight. It took like probably about a good three, four years, mm-hmm. but now it's, you know, we're beautiful co-parents, you know, we get along great, you know, we're friends. It's like, it's like, it's like what it was from, you know, before we got married or before we had, you know, our son, you know, like, cause we were, we were originally friends. Really? So, and that was all done very intentionally. Like I held that vibration. I held that vision. I held that feeling of how I wanted the separation to be. I held it and it was, it was, wasn't easy. It was rocky, but I kept holding it. Yeah. It kept, kept stabilizing that frequency and I created it in the quantum so that when the time was right and everything aligned, it was already well-established to walk into. So you just need to focus and plot your course and stay on course no matter what. And keep, exactly right. And keep discerning is my choice that I'm making right now aligning with that vision, with what Mm -hmm. I'm creating, or is it not? Mm -hmm. Is my choice of reaction aligning to that vision or is it not? And what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking right now is that aligning to that vision, like you have to keep asking the question and keep discerning and keep discerning and you just keep supporting it energetically and it is inevitable yeah i love it you when you are trying to work on that sometimes people have like a chattery mind how do they stop all those thoughts and clear their Mm. mind so that they're nice and clear-headed to be able to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, first and foremost, practicing mindfulness, just practicing being aware of what you're thinking, right? I mean, again, conditioned to be completely outside of our body most of the time, trying to project, you know, for the safety survival issues. Um, so what it, what it takes first and foremost is just, again, a desire and a drive and focusing your attention on what are you thinking at any given moment, right? Once you become aware that your mind is going all over the place, then you can catch it, then you can work with it. So one of the things that I teach uh, as a core foundation for, for this development is to be, when you become aware that you're thinking a thought that doesn't feel good to you, that is a projection based on fearful ideas, then you want to clear it. You wanna say clear. And you can like, you can imagine a white, but you can imagine white dust, or you can imagine sending it to source, right? You say clear. And then what you do is you say, well, what do I want to think? So if it's a fearful thought, like, oh my God, I'm going to be late for work. You want to say clear. And then you want to fill it with, no, I got plenty of time to get to work. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And you want to just do that over and over and over with things. Right. Now, here's the thing is we're going to experience where there's certain things that loop and that are very repetitive and perhaps very painful, fearful ideas with those you want to work on those constructively. You want to be aware that you're doing it. You want to do your clearing, but you might want to make an if you live a busy lifestyle and you're working, you might want to make a note of what that is. Like, say, I'm, I'm always afraid I'm going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's always this worry, concern, like something horrible is going to happen to whatever me, my, my child, whatever. And then you want to work on those constructively because those fears are anchored by some distorted program that you're holding deep within yourself that uh, within the subconscious. So I always attune those to like a fisherman, right? The, the trigger is the anxiety ridden thought, but, and that's, that's like the fishing pole. But at the end of that line, at the bottom of the ocean is the program mm-hmm. that needs to come to the surface to be seen, felt, heard, and experienced so that it could be released, right? So it's the, the combination of those two things, you know, and I have like a whole process that, you know, step-by-step step that helps with that, but you've got to work with those things constructively. First, recognize, do the clearing on it. Fill it with the new program, what you do want, which is typically opposite of what you don't (laughs) want, right? Make it super easy. And then working constructively with those repetitive, uh, you know, anxieties or fears or worries. Yeah. Yeah. That makes complete sense. So how does one find their passion after a life like ours? Oh, yeah. Yes. So there's, there's a few things. One is... Uh, go back to your childhood and what is it that you really loved? Mm -hmm. What is it that really fulfilled you? 
what is it that would keep you up all night long, right? That you were so interested in, whether it was a certain hobby or idea, or maybe it was science or, you know, gardening or whatever it may be. That's a really good indication. So like, for example, with myself, you know, when I was younger, I was uh, addicted to uh, any kind of divination or metaphysics. So like, I loved learning about numerology and uh, astrology and handwriting analysis and all of those fun things. And um, so that really was a, a key, it's a key part of my passion is like helping people and, and you know, working with various metaphysical tools that can um, enhance pinpointing um, healing and expansion and things of that nature. So look back at your childhood, like what is it that you really, really loved, right? That's a great first starting point. And then think about what really are you passionate about now in your life? Like what really means something to you? You know, maybe you're, you, you love organic gardening and that really lights your fire, or, you know, maybe you're somebody you love to help people, or, you know, maybe you're somebody who you just love to talk and share with people. You love to network, right? And if you can, can take those things, right, along with the things that you're really good at, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, you first write down what childhood things really, really, you know, turn, turned you on, really lit you up. And then what really are you passionate about now? What do you really stand for? Like, if you had a message, what would that message be, Right. Uh, what would you want the rest of the world to follow you in because you just believe in it that much, you know, mm. and then along with like what really, you know, you're passionate about what really drives you along with your skills, like what skills do you have? What is it that you're really good at? Mm -hmm. Maybe you're really good at writing or maybe you're really good at, um, uh, you know, uh, sharing ideas with people and people get it because you could just articulate it so well like you know what are your skills and talents like so for example in my case um you know i was an actress for a lot of years and so i've gotten really good at being able to listen and communicate and and present and things like that like you know and then taking my childhood passion of like you know divination and metaphysics and you know and then what i'm really passionate i'm passionate about the ascension i'm a passionate about the awakening of the of, you know the human race i'm passionate about leveling up the, the the level of the quality of the human experience like really leveling it up and I kind of put it all up into a ball and I created like my own thing so which is leading me into do you want to talk about what program you offer and how people find you yes thank you so much for that so um you can go to my website which is ursource.co so that's all spelled out y-o-u-a-r-e-s-o-u-r-c-e and it's .co is in co-creation.com um and then you can find me on various social media outlets like the the spelling of my name is super unique so if you just it is me like you can just <laughs> you know no problem but i'm known as lady from source on various like TikTok, instagram uh facebook um yeah and so my programs is uh i offer a moon it's called moon manifesting and more where we meet once a, once a month it's a live online you know we meet and we talk about the various energetics cos uh, through the cosmos and how to capitalize those energies and what they specifically mean for us as individuals and how we can utilize them to propel ourselves into the next evolution of ourselves or into what it is that we're looking to create or manifest in the world um, and I do a live channel healing every month with that group, depending upon what comes through. Um, and then I have another group that I do. It's called the deep dive chakra healing group. So that's where we get into like all of these core practices to really be able to work with who we are, what we have, the programs that we hold in the various chakras and be able to transmute those and work with those in a practical day to day uh, you know, set up and structure. So it's practical tools, tips, and things like that, and ways that you can on your own transmute and heal the distortion that are held within the various levels of your energetic fields. Those are the two main group programs. And then I do offer, um, it's, it's exclusive, but I do offer one-on-ones, you know, to work with people who really want to dive really deep, really fast, Mm -hmm. And, you know, get, uh, get to their next evolution of themselves as efficiently as possible. Nice. I love it. I love it. Um, what else would you like to share with everybody? Yeah, uh, thank you so much. Well, first I want to say thank you so much for the opportunity to come. Oh, here of course. And, thank and you for being here. And shine with yeah. you. Yeah. So beautiful. Um, yeah. So the, 
just know that you are source, right? You have it all right inside of you. Everything that the creator has, you have, mm-hmm. right? It's just, it's just under all these levels and layers, you know, programming, imprinting, and conditioning. And it's truly our destiny to come into our full power as a collective on this planet. And to trust you because you know better than anyone else. And just know that everything that's happening in this world is happening for a reason. Nothing is ever happening to you. It's always happening for you, as you, through you, right? Because everything is source itself having its own unique, you know, experience. So yeah, just know that you're all powerful, truly, right? And I know that can be scary. That can Mm -hmm. be scary for some, but it's, you know, just embrace that on one level or another and allow it to unfold. Yeah. I think that it, it does scare people because they, they think of it in terms of like, oh my God, it's like witchcraft. (laughs) 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 Right. Has anybody ever said that to you? Oh my gosh. Well, it's been many, many years, but yes, I have had people say that to me, you know, like, are you talking about like witchcraft? <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's all, it's all energy, vibration and frequency, right? Yeah. Nikola Tesla, that's, that's what it is. And so if some people feel like they can't get that, but they can grasp onto this idea of witchcraft, then so be it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Yep. I had a guest on, um, and I'll be airing her episode along with yours this weekend. And she she does a lot of energy healing because she has a lot of ailments and that, and so she talks about how that's helped her in healing. A lot of people do manifestations in business and it has brought them abundance. And so I love that you came on and shared your story with us. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much. Love and be well. <laughs> You too. I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording. If you like this and other episodes, please click subscribe, like, and share so others can enjoy them too. Thank you so much for listening.